Hey, welcome to the latest edition of First Day Copites podcast. Delighted to have Ben join us this week. It's been a while and delighted to have Sean back. Uh, he's been, uh, he's not been on a sabbatical at all. I don't know why I was going down that path. <laughs> on daddy um, duty. He's, he's been on daddy duty, yes. <laughs> but he's back and thanks to Hytham and Daz for joining us once again. Uh, looking forward to today's conversation. Today we're going to talk about, um, look back a little bit on Liverpool's last week. We uh, unfortunately lost at Southampton. Probably some things to say about that. We beat um, Aston Villa's youth team. Um, I'm not going to say they're under 12s because some of them were clearly a little bit older than that. Um, uh, by four goals to one, um, not without a little uh, bump along the way. We're also going to talk about the FA Cup. Um, the confusing situation about what games get postponed and what don't. Um, and perhaps we'll talk about do we care more about the FA Cup now or not? Maybe not. We'll see. Uh, and then uh, there's a lot we could talk about. It's like, you know, should 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 the league um, uh, be put on hold for a while? Well, I'm not certainly not going to say null and void, given the number of cases in the UK, which seem to be at a, a pretty high level. Uh, and we're also probably going to touch on um, Michael Oliver's admission that Jordan Pickford should probably have been sent off um, in the manslaughter. Uh, well, what, so, so, so we'll get to this, but uh, we are we are contemplating intentional infliction of emotional distress, and uh, Ben, who, who's a, a lawyer, is going to help us talk through that one. As a you know, as, is there any foundation in in, in that case? Uh, and then we'll wrap up briefly at the end, and we'll talk about the um, the the team from Manchester, the other team from Manchester, who are coming to Anfield to play us next weekend. Um, Okay, so let's begin with, so let's look back over the, the, the last week. Uh, you could easily, I mean, we don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but a lot of social media meltdown about Liverpool's recent performances. Um, I don't know if we went quite as far as uh, uh, clop out, but uh, there were certainly people suggesting that we need a wholesale change of personnel. Um, hmm. Ben, let's start with you. Um, you're always the kind of moderate voice, so seems a perfect place to, to, to start. Uh, you know, I'm glad you did start with me on this one. Uh, our Des Moines group started watching matches in late November, early December of 2018. And so I think that our group has only seen Liverpool lose like a handful of times before this season. And we, um, you know, we pinch ourselves and remember like, you know, our group formed like six months before we won the Champions League and like, a year and a half before we won the Premier League. And it wasn't going to continue forever like this. And also it hasn't continued like that for anybody. Um, I don't, I meant to look this up before we got on, but I don't think Bayern is even playing that well right now. Um, who I would say are significant competition in Europe. Um, it's a weird time. And um, I think my wife and I were reflecting on this, that COVID is making everybody a little crazy and irritable. Um, and I think that uh, we invest a lot of time and energy in Liverpool up to and including recording podcasts. And um, I think that people get invested and they get really disappointed when they really expect something to go one way. And it doesn't. I think that we all expected bringing in Tiago, bringing in Jota, that it was going to be so much better. And that we could patch over Van Dyke and we could patch over Gomez. Um, but it didn't turn out that way. And I think the other thing I want to talk about on this is that we look back in the 18-19 season and we drew against Everton and those two points really bit us in the ass. And I think that we feel like 
dropping points to West Brom, dropping points to Newcastle, dropping points to Southampton are how we could lose the league. But I don't think that's the case this year. Uh, I've done some different calculations, read some different articles, and maybe 72 or 74 points could win the league, which is kind of the pace we're on. And we just kind of crapped the bed three times in a row. So uh, hopefully sunnier days are ahead. But to those people that want to bounce and want wholesale changes, maybe they should just bounce to a different team, you know? Uh, good luck finding someone that's playing better right now because in a month you're going to be switching back. So uh, interesting you say, uh, I crapped the bed. Um, I, you know, I, I guess I have a slightly different perspective on, I think I take all the performances separately. I think different things are going on in different games. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I'm going to go to Sean next because um, uh, uh, at least somebody on the, on the, on the, uh, the pod believes that Sean, your message was amplified by Mel Reddy this week, which you talked <laughs> about the team being uh, kind of um, kind of unbalanced, essentially, and they keep having to deal with different things that are taking away from the balance of the team. So, so your take on that. And is Mel Reddy right? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say that I, I definitely do get emotional about the team, but uh, I, did, I guess I didn't notice... I don't know. I personally, I didn't notice a whole lot more overreaction than we see a lot of times. Anytime Liverpool loses, um, I, my my take on the whole thing is is that it's a really weird year, like Ben said. Um, and we we'd be running away with the league if we didn't have this injury crisis. You take Van Dyke out of the team; he's the best center back in the world. You have to slide Fabinho back in, this, in to Van Dyke's place. So now you're you're weaker at both center back and midfield Gomez is out for the year. So now you're even weaker at, at center back, you lose your backup left back Simicus. So Robo's having to play a million more minutes. And thankfully for us, Robo and Fabinho have been fantastic the whole season. Um, and we're still in first place. Um, you know, the last few games, the way, I, you know, and I know each game has been different. I mean, overall, my perspective has been like we, we we haven't had the creativity we need from the midfield. And a lot of focus, you know, from a lot of people have seemed to be on the front three. I think Bobby hasn't been quite as good for most of the year. I actually think he's been a little bit better the last few games than he has been for most of the year. I think we, you know, Sadio's maybe had a little bit of a different form, maybe Mo too. Um, but I think we've been asking a lot more of them because the midfields had to do more kind of tracking back. So there's just a knock-on effect with a lot of this stuff, and it's had an effect on the team. I think we got through it for a while. We, we haven't really played that great for a while now. Uh, we've gotten some results, but I went back and looked, and we've played 14 matches since the beginning of November. We've won six, and either Nabi or Diogo Jota have played in all but one of those, and that was a Spurs match. So in some ways, it shouldn't be that much of a shock. Um, it's just we've been able to grind through and get results, and we just – weren't able to do it these last few games against lesser competition. But I think there's, you know, emotional and physical fatigue that's probably happened. Um, and that all results in that. I mean, my, my take on it, I, this is probably more hopeful than anything else is that I, I think by in introducing Tiago and reintroducing Nobby, we can potentially, um, you know, create some more chances and it can help sort of fix some of the issues we've had on that end of the ball, because, you know, 
before we had Van Dyke and Fabinho in the team, we often struggled with this low block thing. It's not a brand new thing for anybody that's followed the club for more than two, two, three years. We would often get stuck with these kind of low block teams. Um, and it's just, it's reminded me of that, you know, it's, it's reminded me of like, you know, those couple of years under Klopp, first few years where we'd go into this like January, February dip in form. And, um, you know, so that's, that's my take on it. I, I think we'll bounce back. I agree with Ben that I think the league winner, I would probably say it's probably more in like the 78 to 80 range, but it's going to be a lot lower than it's been the last few years. So no need to panic and jump ship everybody. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. It, it seemed like certain players were getting kind of over, over like a ridiculous amount of attention, particularly at the Southampton game. Um, like I, I, I really don't like Martin Tyler as you, anyone who's ever listened to our podcast will know. But he might have mentioned three times. Trent didn't even play, and he mentioned three times that Trent gave the ball away thirty-eight times against Southampton, um, which says something about Martin Tyler more than it does about Trent. Um, but my, my my sense was that whilst he might not have been playing like his very best, then uh, part of what's going on there, he's playing a different role. He's playing alongside someone who you know doesn't usually play. Uh, like Premier League centre back, whether that's Henderson, whether that's Reese Williams, or whether that's now Phillips. Um, so, you know, I'm going to go to you, but we don't have to talk about um, uh, Trent in particular, but it does feel that people are looking for scapegoats when, you know, uh, I, I, I think that confidence is a big part of how the team plays. Um, and I don't think you go from being the best, to take him as an example, I don't think you go from being the best right back in the world, like like at the, in September or whenever it was, to being like someone who needs replacing because he keeps giving the ball away. Um by the way, I'll just tell you, I did some research on this. He apparently has the seventh most touches in the Premier League uh, this year, the season. Um, so he's clearly not shying away from the ball. Um, that, by the way, he's, he's only third in the list of Liverpool players um, because um, Henderson and, and Robertson touch the ball more. Fabinho's eighth. So what that says is we have four of the top 10 touches in, our, uh, uh, in the Premier League. Or he says something about who has the ball for the most period of time? Coming back from that tangent, Hytham, <laughs> what you're taking at all? Is Trent to blame? <laughs> no, he's not to blame. Well, so I did not get to watch most of the Southampton match. Uh, I had a, a call for work and uh, was able only to watch the first 20 minutes, I think. And, and, and then this, you know, I was just like, you know, I'm going to watch the recording afterwards and I'm going to turn everything off, you know, from a notification perspective. Uh, but obviously I got to watch the goal in, was it the second minute, I believe? Yeah. And, and, and what I saw was, you know, Trent has made mistakes in the, in the past and, and it just, it didn't look out of the ordinary, you know, it wasn't like I was surprised when it happened. Uh, you know, obviously, trends. You know, just and I'm only going to speak about trend for a little bit. Um, his 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 form has not been the same uh, for many reasons. Some of the reasons were discussed by Ben and uh, Sean. Uh, just the loss of you know uh, people like uh, Van Dyke and, and Gomez, and you know it's new faces, new uh, ways of uh, playing. Um, but then, you know, Klopp uh, came out and said that he was um, uh, COVID 
positive, um, you know, re regardless of whether it, uh, how it affected him. Um, so that's, that's just another example of how this crazy disease might affect even healthy people. Um, so I'm not, I'm not really, you know, you know, it is what it is. I've, I've, I, I had always thought that the Southampton match was going to be a really, really tough one. Um, I mean, they've given us issues in the past, you know, past couple of years, even when they were not that good, um, that, that match, um, you know, was, uh, I know last year, I think we, we beat them three, one at Southampton. Um, and, 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 uh, the last home game, um, you know, last year, it, it was a really close first half until we started scoring and, and we beat them by four matches. Um, I watched the Villa match and, and, you know, going back to the people who were complaining about our performances, I, I, I don't want to jump ship ever. Mm -hmm. um, however, I just, I, I thought that, okay, you know, we're not playing your typical teams who are inferior, who are just going to, you know, park the bus. And, and because of the situation with the players who are missing and all of that stuff, we're going to have a hard time, um, you know, figuring out how to, you know, create uh, passing lanes and all of that stuff because we're playing kids. And I was pretty, you know, you guys have heard it from me. I was, I was a little just whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, I wasn't okay with the way we played in the first half. Um, you know, I was like, I went back to uh, one of the videos that we put up when Katina was playing for us, uh, where there were like, I don't know, 50 little kids uh, on the field and it was three Liverpool players. <laughs> and, you know, I was, I, I just had that picture, you know, regardless of, 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 uh, you know, what kid is going to play, we're going to be able to actually figure out a way to get, past them and I did not see that so I was a little frustrated uh but you know second half um Tiago came in Shaq came in um and that's that's you know one thing that I thought was not happening you know as as earlier in in the previous matches you know the West Brom um I don't know if Tiago was available to West Brom much but uh and and um uh, Newcastle the Newcastle match yeah. Um, I, th I thought those two guys, uh, Tiago and Shaq, you know, were coming in later than where I was supposed to. Again, uh, uh, they were supposed to, again, you know, just to point one thing out that I mentioned in, in a previous podcast, I don't know what's happening in, in the back room. I don't know the restrictions that the doctors are, you know, putting in place uh, regarding, you know, summoning players or not. Uh, but I was happy with, uh, the changes that we made in the second half in the Villa match. Um, and I think, you know, just moving forward, you know, I see a glimmer of light uh, with those changes and, and how, you know, they can be there for us to be able to play against the weaker, you know, teams that park the bus. Yeah. So, so yeah, the, 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 um, the low block uh, seems to be a problem where in those games that we kind of look back on, but, you know, we've beaten enough teams, I think, who play the low block to say that in the right sort of form, then it, it, it ceases to become the same issue. Uh, apparently Klopp talked about, particularly the Villa game, not moving the ball quickly enough and not having players in the right places moving forward, um, which sounds 
um, on the one level disturbing that they weren't able to do that against an under 18 team or U team. Um, but at the other level feels like something that's more solvable than how do you find another center back? So, so, so Daz, I know you were um, messaging about a couple of different things this week. And if you want to pick up on one of those or, or some other dimension, I mean, one is I think you thought that putting Henderson at, at center half was uh, a bit retrograde. Um, I think you also talked uh, about, um, I think you were generally positive about Nico, but kind of recognizing that, you know, Nico's 19 and he's not played a lot of football. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe he'll make a mistake every now and again. There's, there's, a, there's a lot in, in the last two games. I think that you talked about social media, if you're just going to go back to that for a second, and I'll start there and move forward. It's like, I think we've all been on social media for long enough to know that it's always going to be reactionary because you're looking for clicks, you're looking for, for talking points, you're looking for banter, you're looking for, you're looking for some sort of credibility, and it's always based on some over-the-top kind of view, like Tony Cascarino type shit where – Oh uh, yeah, that's you can't win for losing with because you take an alternative point and they'll they'll shift it and it becomes a new straw man argument and blah 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 blah. So take that where you will in terms of what social media means. I, I agree very very much so with what Ben was saying is because there's so little going on to to kind of distract and detract that we are so invested in, in outcomes and probably even more so because we've seen how good this team is and to watch something to like, looks like it's, it's slipping away because we can say that, yeah, we know we're, we're top of the, we're top of the log right now. Uh, if only on goal difference with, and, and the people who are in second and third and all the way down the list have games in hand. It's, I think it's, it's frustrating to watch a team that, that, that has such potential looking as, as poor as it is. So, you're just looking around for any dog to kick essentially, I think is what it is. And so a lot of people are really super invested in it for the reasons that I mentioned. Um, I, I, I want to, I think to, to talk to your point about Neko, and I've said this to a lot of people is like, he kind of reminds me of a Steve Finnan. Um, I think that he's a, he'll be a good little player. He's, he's young. He's still got a lot to learn. Um, he's got some bad habits about turning, turning outside Um trying to control too many touches when he, when it went, when one touch will do is just, so his decision making, but he's 19. And I think that he looked good in this game. And again, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to shit on him or piss in his Wheaties, but he, he's playing against kids essentially of his own level. So it's, you have to kind of temper like his, his performance, but it's good for him because it will be, it will be a confidence boost. You saw him go from strength to strength throughout the game. His, uh, his distribution got a lot better. His crosses were more pit, were more accurate. Um, Trent, I think Trent just needs a rest. I think that there's, there's a lot of stuff going on for him, the illness, uh, so much football. You were sort of talking about how he needs, how he, he just, there's no confidence and the person that he's playing next to, because by and large, the person that's that's on his side when it, we get a new centre back pairing, which I know that you mentioned in the, what do we have? Twenty six different ones now. It was an exaggeration, but it's close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it is two hundred and sixty. <laughs> this is going completely yeah, yeah. hyperbolic. Yeah. Um, so he he's he doesn't get the same he doesn't get the the, the, the same uh, freedoms, I guess, or maybe it's whether or not it's mental, whether or not it's by design. Uh, whereas and Andy, you see kind of marauding down the left-hand side, because I think there's more, there's more confidence in the person that's next to him. Uh, I, I don't think it's, but when he has gone forward, he just doesn't seem to have the same bite for the lack of a better expression. 
Uh, it feels like it's very quotidian. It's very pedestrian. It feels like he's just doing it for the sake of doing it. Um, he doesn't look like he has the same joie de vivre when he plays, which is, and I don't think it's just him. And I think that speaks to a larger point that I wanted to bring up was the, kind of the mentality of the team. That that mentality monster is, is becoming a bit of a millstone because you've had a few players come out and said that, yes, that has been a tremendous knock on their mentality, losing all these players and then not having them back. Uh, one thing, when, when, when Thiago came on for he just looks like he's trying to do it all by himself, especially in the Southampton game. So I think there's a lot of people, whether the pressure was put on him or he put on himself, he, he tried to force a lot of stuff that he didn't need to force. There was a couple of times that he gave the ball away very cheaply where a simple pass would have done. And I know that's part of his game. He likes to walk a tightrope, but there was a couple of times he just talked, he walked himself into, into danger when he didn't need to. So I think that there's a lot of guys that feel like that they have the weight of the world on their shoulders and winning will make you a lot more carefree. You can see that we're, we're tight. Everything that we're doing is, is predictable. It's, it's, it's rote. It's because, and I said this to you last week, it was a couple of times balls on were on over the top but just a little bit braver and we would have been through. And instead, we just stepped on it, recycled, went from side to side. And on Twitter, this was the one good chirp that they did have, um, that ball that, that uh, the Tiago plays, that disguised little through ball to, to, uh, to Shaq, that, oof. I don't know anything else, but there was there was a grand moistening for me. Um, he, it's like it's that's the type of stuff that we're missing. Like it would have it would have gotten held up and pushed outside to Neko to try and swing in, and you can see Hendo's a little bit beyond it right now as well. Like the number of balls that he just slung aimlessly into the box, and he has done on numerous occasions, which isn't necessarily like him. Again, it just feels like it's doing it for the sake of doing it to say that you have gotten a cross in there. And teams that are that have these big rocks in the back are just soaking that up, and it's 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 meat and potatoes for them. They'll they'll mop that up all day long. Just to pick you up on that though, um, if you think about the ball, was it against uh, it was against Wolves where he knocked the ball long, which which in this language now we might say was aimless, but uh, Salah picked up the second ball and scored. Um, I, I I do think I don't necessarily think with Henderson that he's playing different passes i think a, um, some of it's about what's happening up front we talked last week about maybe we're short of a player in attack i don't necessarily think that was true at southampton but i do think it was true in some of the other situations so he's playing that ball looking for the knockdown there's no one there to pick up the knockdown or not as many players who, who would have been there well they talk about the, um the way that we're playing is found out i think is the expression that you used in the agenda is, i read that a couple of places yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's I, well to a certain to a certain extent we have it's because they're like look we'll play this 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 one ten zero and well because we've had we watch west brom have success we watch southampton have success and i think for our guys it's starting to become this is where i talked about the mentality monster aspect of it i think it's becoming a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy they're like oh it's just it's not working for us today. We're not making it work. We can't grind this out. And it, it's like, it kind of reminds me of, and I think we talked about this last week is like the old Liverpool mentality that specifically from fans is uh, like, Oh, they're going to have one shot on goal and it's going to go in. And then we're going to lose one nil after taking 4,800 shots, pouring it in and having like 98% of the possession, which is it's borne out for these last couple of games. It's, I just, I think that we are, we're a little short on, on confidence, we're a little bit short on on get up and go, really, because and again, I just said we we just don't have. It doesn't seem to have the same type of of, of zip to it. There's there's no bravery, 
it, it feels like we're holding on to possession for the sake of having it. And, and, and it worked for us in the past. So I think that moving forward, I think Klopp, I believe, favored a 4-2-3-1 when he was at Dortmund. That's and it's hard. really surprising to me that we haven't tried. We have the, the personnel we have right now is probably better suited for a 4-2-3-1 than the personnel we don't. Like a double pivot at the back with Hendo and, and Thiago uh, makes me salivate a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if you put someone like a Shakiri and then one as, as part of that three, like he, I think he's freed up a little bit more at that point, having that double pivot to be able to, to roam a little bit more because he doesn't do defensive duty well. He'll get in the way. He's just, he's kind of a road cone if you watch him. Like it's, I'm not trying to knock him. It's just, he's not, he's not a particularly good defensive player. And then at 4-3-3 situation, he's expected to be all things to all people. And he's just, he's not. And he looked good against the, the kids because he came on, they were a little bit shattered and he had the, he had the ability to, to pick his pass because they were, they were broken down a, point, a little bit at that point. But if you're putting him in there from the start against the Manchester United, I don't think that he's necessarily going to be able to provide the same as if he's in a three with two guys behind him being able to provide those, that type of, that type of coverage that he might freeze him up again. So I'm, I'm, just to, to move forward a little bit, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about Manchester United just because I watch them play. They are, they are set up for a, they're a counter-attacking team. They have pace up front. They're, they're more clinical than we are on the counter and we are porous and we seem to be very susceptible to counters and that's what they're going to do when they come to, to, to Anfield. So I wonder if we don't try something different. Um, sure, sure. I think could take a little bit of, he should, I don't think he's above repudiation. I think that he's gotten it wrong in some instances and his guys have let him down. Don't get me wrong because you can't turn around and say what worked for us for, for two seasons, all of a sudden is bump. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of it, a lot of that probably should be laid at the feet of his players, but I think maybe trying something new to freshen it up, which is what you hear that Mourinho used to have to do that, that um, either with personnel or, or, or with formations, I think a little bit of a freshener might, might do well for us. And it also might give teams something else to think about. So we're going to have to wind some of that back. Let me, let me, because, we're gonna we'll talk about Manchester United before we're done. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm in, I want to argue with that about Man United because I think they're more limited than you think. But there are a couple of other things. Four two three one. Apparently uh, against Villa, he tried it for 13 minutes. I don't know if you saw that, um, and that's why he didn't take Mane and Salah off. I believe until he'd kind of played around with it and saw how it worked, which it seemed to kind of work quite well. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I think I agree with you about Shakiri, but I think Shakiri's impact this season at least has been in games where he's come on and he's definitely been part of the guy who sits behind the guy who scores the goal. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I've decided we're ditching the FA Cup. It's not interesting enough. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> um, yeah, well, well, yeah, maybe we'll talk about it next week after the draw. But where I do want to go is... I do wonder, and I'm, I'm going to kind of weave this into the Michael Oliver, Jordan Pickford um, conversation. I, I do wonder whether some of the refereeing decisions is playing into the confidence. Um, you know, if you look at, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know how many times I watched I watch the Southampton game back. I didn't look at the other games back, but watching the Southampton game back, I am just astonished that the handball wasn't given. Let's just, let's just go there. Um, you know, not even talk about the foul on Mane, which was more of a foul than the thing Pogba got like a couple of days before. Um, but I do, I do wonder whether that's kind of playing in. Um, and and, and the, the thing that's actually just absolutely drives me crazy 
and then I'll, I'll talk about Pickford and Oliver, and I'll go to you, Ben. Is I I, I went and looked at how many how many um, cards teams have received this season. And lo and behold, sitting in twentieth place is Liverpool with sixteen cards. Uh, Leicester has thirty five by way of comparison. Um, Man United have twenty six, which I think is generous on them based on some of the games I've seen, where Harry Maguire seems to need to do a lot to get a yellow card. Um, allegedly, just saying. Um, it just strikes me that we, we get cards given. Um, we commit one foul, it's a card. Like the Tiago thing against Southampton, he's in the book after three minutes for like absolutely nothing relative to, you know, where, where did the thing go where you have one good hack? Because I see this when Man United play and you don't get a card. Anyway, end of rant. Um, I do wonder whether there's something that, that about the decision-making of referees that is now playing into the way that they're approaching things. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a long history here, um, which goes back probably back before this season. But this week we learned, um, and this is where we're going to go to, that uh, Michael Oliver tells us that he thought Jordan, Jordan Pickford should have been shown a red card uh, for his assault on Virgil van Dijk uh, at Goodison. Um, and uh, the, 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 the connection I want to make is, in his, uh, in, in whatever, wherever he described this, and I'm not quite sure where this came out from, but he, what he said was, uh, well, Liverpool players didn't make more of the challenge on Van Dijk, and that was what um, one of the factors why he didn't look into it more. <sighs> that I have a hard time with. Um, ben, help me out. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I have help. I mean, uh, obviously, as an American, I grew up watching American football, and there were times when all the referees would get together and they would talk about what they saw happen. And then they would hammer it out and decide, no, this is the right call. But I think, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong, in other leagues, when you have a VAR review, they have the channel broadcast, right, to the viewers that you can hear what they're saying to one another, right? Um, am I making that up or did I dream that? I think that's in rugby or cricket. You can, you, they'll, they'll play what's happening. I, don't I think get... it's 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 available in South America too. I've I've seen it in some South American games. Oh really? Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, and I just think you know, for Christ's sake, we've got a referee on the pitch, two line judges, and the fourth referee, and they all have radios, right? And none of them dreamt up that or imagined that maybe you know, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't going to make such a blue joke and I'm not going to make this joke, but uh, that assault or willful injury or whatever that was that you want to say on Virgil van Dijk, that that might be a red card. Um, I find that a bit ridiculous. Um, and, you know, as you were, I don't want to steal your thunder, but as you were noting that that might've played a different role in whether or not Richarlison continues with his dumbass antics and gets a red against Tiago. What I would say about the refereeing, and to go back to what Daz was saying is, um, you know, if you work with people and you're accustomed to working with certain people, when there's somebody else there that day, you're thinking, all right, this isn't going to work quite as well as, as it does usually when I've got my normal people working for me, with me, or above me. And if you've ever worked with a temp, that's pretty obvious, right? And so if we look at Trent, we see that going on. I think if we look at Jordan Henderson, we see that going on where he's trying to be more of a creator, 
than maybe he's supposed to be. And I just think there's an, everyone is a bit ill at ease because they're not quite sure where they're supposed to be going. And um, <clears throat> I just had this reflection watching the Marine uh, Spurs match and they were talking about, you know, it's the one touch football that is so hard for a team like Marine to keep up with. But if you watch Liverpool play, they're not really doing one touch football. They're taking a touch, they're looking, they're finding where the ball goes. There's not a, a coherence about where it's supposed to go. And I think that when it's not going well, you get ornery. If you're working with a temp or you're working with somebody that you're not used to working with, you get ornery and you start bitching about things that you feel are perceived slights. Like, you know, where's my stapler? You know, if they take my stapler one more time, I'm going to burn it down. Right. And you see these referee decisions and you start to complain about them. And then I think the referees get their hackles up and they go, Oh yeah, well, yeah, you think that I'm doing a bad job. We'll just wait. We'll just wait and see how bad a job we're doing. And so Tiago, you know, you had that foul there and that's a yellow card. And I can explain to you by the letter of the law why it's a yellow card every day. And nobody's going to tell me I'm wrong, but yeah, it probably shouldn't have been given a yellow card, but you get in this spiral to where you complain about the referees and then the referees, rather than giving you a break, are going to be harder. And then you can play more and then they're harder yet. And so I think that that's my long winded version of saying it's hard to work with other people than the people you're used to and things start to irritate you more, and then you complain, and that's the result. Yeah. So, so there are a few people on the Tompkins Times who were uh, having a proper consistency of refereeing uh, this, this week. Um, so I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll go to you, uh, Sean, next. Um, and and I, I, you know, I, th- <laughs> I think there, was a, there were kind of some interesting things in their comments. But Paul Tompkins was great saying they should actually take the Southampton game and use that as an example of what not to do. Um, uh, which may be slightly extreme, but it was certainly some things in there. As, as an aside, I think it is interesting that that David Cook guy, the one who was on VAR for the Everton game, has not been near a Liverpool game since. Uh, and long may that continue, in uh, my humble opinion. Should be near the EPL period. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't complain about that either. But but there's a few people that should take, leave the stage with it, I think. Um, so, Sean. I mean, it, it does seem like we've gotten the short end of a lot of the calls this year, to say the least. Um, there's been VAR decisions, but there have been other decisions kind of throughout games. The, the one you didn't mention, um, Paul, was was the uh, challenge on Milner, which was just like they didn't even give a foul. I'm like, that is a straight red card. There, yeah. there aren't very many fouls you'd say are straight red card every single time. That is one of them. That was a straight red every single time. And we're lucky he didn't get seriously injured. Um, so Sean, just quickly, while you're talking about that, uh, that kind of ties into what you're saying about Oliver, because everyone knows that James Milner's probably got lumps after every single game, but he hops back up and he gets on with it. Yeah. Whereas if you have someone that rolls around like that, someone shot them out of the crowd, there's a probably a, there's, there's probably a, a more of a CSI type situation there where they're like, oh, maybe this is something we need to look at. But He's, he breathed on through it, got up with his broken ankle and worked that worked it out. So that could be the same thing that they're saying about all of us. Like, well, if you guys had made a bigger deal out of this, I probably would have, I probably would have done something about it, which is, that's not, that's not our jobs to bring out, to bring that to his attention, but they teach you like, it's the same thing as diving. If you don't go down, you're not going to get the fucking call. Excuse my expression. You're not going to get the call. It makes me angry because it's not our job to try and to, to try and mandate this or to, to do this on our own so that you are going to make the decision that should be made. Yeah. Like it's the, the theatrics, theatrical aspect of it. Sorry, man, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's no, 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 it's, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Like the, um, the one part of Oliver's comments, honestly, like 
it, it annoys me that he comes out now and says it was wrong. At least he admits now that it was wrong. But looking back, I mean, yeah, it probably did have an impact on that match. But at the end of the day, Van Dyke still would have been injured. We wouldn't have got a penalty out of it, apparently, because it was offside. So technically, it's dead play. And they could have red-carded Pickford. Maybe we win that match. You know, we, we should have won the match anyway. VAR mm-hmm. took it away from us. Um, but, um, the you know, it probably does have a psychological impact on the, on the team. But um, I so, yeah, the refereeing decisions have been terrible, and they probably have had an impact. I, but I still think that it's just – it's the accumulation of these injuries, you know, that, that is what we're looking at. I mean, I, ultimately that is the real problem because if we had a more fit squad, we'd be able to, to work through some of these things. We'd have different players like Nabi and Jota and we'd be able to, we'd be able to work. We'd be able to figure this out. Um, and Klopp, I think, I think the part that is, is more uh, impactful to the, the club right now is um just the impact of all these injuries, you know, and, and we've talked before about, you know, there's the, there's, there's the impact on all the injuries in terms of like, well, all the players have to play a lot more and um, Klopp doesn't have as many people to choose. And, and there's that, but the, these guys all also, they train together every day, they're friends. Like it's difficult to see players go through injuries like this, particularly when it's like, you know, Van Dyke and Gomez, like Henderson said in an interview a few weeks ago that, he specifically mentioned the Gomez injury as being very tough for everybody to, to sort of uh, have to go through just the way it happened and all. So, um, and we still haven't heard the whole story on that one. I still think there's more to that story that we haven't heard um, on the Gomez injury, but um, I think the injuries have more to do with it, but yes, the referees are terrible. I think the standard of refereeing is, is, has been bad for a while. Um, If this is, you know, supposedly the greatest league in the world, um, you know, we all enjoy watching it and all. It's just a shame that they can't improve the refereeing one way or the other. They try to introduce VAR and somehow they manage to screw that up too. And you know, you have these guys refereeing games that are in their fifties that aren't very good to begin with. It's like, well, why are they there? You know, it's just like an old boys club kind of thing. What I would like to see building off what, what Ben said is, is I would like to see the referees have to face the media at the end of a match, like the, the managers do and explain the controversial decisions at the time, um, you know, because we never hear from them most of the time. It's, it's rare. This thing from Oliver is rare, you know, and it took them three months. Like, why, why is that? They should have to answer for, for what they do. Um, so, you know, it's frustrating, but, you know, again, ultimately I think it comes more down to the injuries that we're facing. Uh, otherwise we'd be walking the league still, even with the poor refereeing decisions. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it appears, I think, that VAR has actually highlighted some of the deficiencies of uh, some of the referees, unfortunately, um, or the use of VAR. Um, I, I don't want to uh, get a Hytham's take, though, because uh, you, were, you were talking about, it. can we get a class action lawsuit against Jordan Pickford based on the Oliver comments? Um, yeah, sure, Ben's got an opinion on that, but uh, um, what, what, what's, your, what's your take? Yeah, so uh, I I, I kind of uh, agree with uh, Sean about you know the effect on refereeing on on um, players and their performances. I, I don't think there's a direct uh, correlation at all. I think it's just you know whether it's uh, the toll of injuries on them, um, even though it's it's not them. Uh, for example, you know uh, the front three you know, as of late, 
there were instances of them just doing things that, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, whether it's selfishness, whether it's, you know, uh, being unselfish and all of that stuff. And, and they would do something that's not similar to who they really are. Um, so I, I, I just, you know, I don't think, like I said, it, it has anything to do with the refereeing, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, a person that used to play in teams in the past and got into it with referees and, um, you know, it, it didn't, you know, change the way I played, you know, the next match at all. I did not think about it. You know, I went back and did the same thing that got me in trouble, um, you know, the last time. So I, I, I just, you know, uh, yes, it, it's, it's frustrating, but I, I don't think it's a, it affects the way the players perform on the pitch. Um, with regards to uh, the lawsuit, you know, I uh, was kind of talking about it. And, uh, you know, I mean, the main point about it is just there's no accountability like you know people we can all talk about how the referees are um you know uh performing terribly and, and and players can talk about it you know club can talk about it all coaches um but but it's, it's not going to change because whoever i can't remember the, the name of the uh um their uh group association whatever you want to call PGMOL. it PGMOL. the pgml thank you um He's just, uh, he sounds like the uh, most arrogant person in the world every time he talks about a match or an incident. Um, and, and I think, you know, there, there needs to be some kind of accountability, like, uh, you know, and, and I thought, you know, a lawsuit might be uh, the best way to get there. So, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, uh, I, I discussed it with uh, Mr. Ben, who's a lawyer, and, and he said there's, you know, there's a, there's a chance there. <laughs> I would love for there to be, but there's, um, first of all, I'm licensed in Iowa in federal courts. I'm not <laughs> anybody in England. Uh, I am suing somebody in Chile right now, but uh, let me get through Chile and I'll see how I get in England, okay? <laughs> yeah, the, the one thing we have to be aware of in the UK is that if we lose, we have to pay the costs, the legal costs. So, you know, just be careful. Maybe we want to spread the case thin. Uh, so we, can, we can do a, a little uh, GoFundMe. <laughs> see the Suda PGMOL. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay. Well, I don't. There's, there's something in the water, obviously, uh, about <laughs> rebellion and whatever else. Um, so, uh, final word on. Well, yeah, whatever you want to take it, uh, Daz. Look, my feeling on referees has once is and always will be that they are vermin and they should be hunted for sport. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't say that lightly either. I look. I'm a parent. Uh, I know that you guys might all be shocked. Like, how the hell did this guy ever be allowed to become a parent? <laughs> I had to sign some documents. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's official. But but um, we don't admit fault to our kids often enough. When we get something wrong, by and large, we forge through because we have to be seen as the authoritative figure. We can't see being wrong is equivocated with being weak. And if you allow yourself 
to be seen beyond reproach or you give you give that crack to somebody they'll exploit it as being as uh, that's at least how they feel that well you were wrong that time what well, means you weren't wrong this time and i think that a lot of that goes on in officiating uh specifically in soccer i know that they've kind of mitigated that in other leagues um and to great effect, honestly, like I don't think that anyone thinks anything less of match officials for for rugby or for cricket. Uh, but I think that this is this last bastion of almost like parochial headmaster type thinking here that you have to you have to be the be all and end all. You have to be above reproach. You can't ever be wrong. And part of being admitting that wrongdoing allows people a foothold. This is what they think, at least. Mm-hmm. So. We and to your point, Paul, allowing VAR and as all it's done is is shown the deficiencies within, and it's highlighted them even more amongst match officials in 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 the game. Whereas it was supposed to, it was supposed to provide them kind of a safety net. Now it's just making them look even more inefficient and ineffective, yeah, and flat out rubbish for the lack of a better way of putting it. So. I think that what they need to do is start phasing out some of the older guys. Like the fact that Mike Oliver, take it where you will, like we all want, we're baying for blood, but it took real courage for him to come out and say, mm-hmm. I got it wrong. And I think that once you start seeing a younger group of people that, and I think we've discussed this before, if they, if they decide to keep VAR, they're going to have to change it in some form or the rules around how VAR is implemented or both. I think once you see a newer crop of referees come through that, that understand what its, what its utility is, how it's supposed to be used, what it's used for, and how it can be helpful, and you start getting rid of these dinosaurs like Atkinson and Taylor and, um, and Mariner who seem to believe that they are above reproach or they're, beyond, they're above impunity or they can act with impunity and they're above any type of, of, of censure. Uh, which they're not actually like, I guess they lose games sometimes, but it's not often enough because yeah. again, like the, the, the watchers aren't going to police the watchers too hard, are they? Yeah. So I think once you see a younger crop of, of referees that understand how VAR is, what it's supposed to be used for, how it's functional, where it can be used to best effect, you'll probably find that these conversations, and I pray to whatever your deity of choice is, that we can stop having these conversations because frankly, they're boring, they're tiresome and they're costing people points. As for Liverpool, I think that I I go back to the mentality monster thing because that's kind of my theme for the day is like, you have to say, we have to take it out of this dickhead's hands. Like we can't allow him to have it. We need to finish our chances. We need to make it the way we're tight. And if we do eventually get a call against us where a guy obviously is clearly I fouled outside the box and they caught, they say it's inside the box and it's a penalty. We've already got three in the bag. They can have that one. We are good enough of a team. We're deep enough of a team to be able to take games away from people. So it's up to us to start doing that. And so instead of looking at it like, woe is us, which we can, we obviously honestly can. There's a lot of games that have, we're, we're probably nine points shy of where we should be based entirely on terrible refereeing decisions or speculative and subjective VAR decisions. We need to be stronger mentally and better team and just start taking it away from other teams. So, so let's wrap up the, the the referee thing, but, but, but a few things. One is it's interesting that it was Oliver who I think most people would agree was probably the best referee in the premier league who came out and said, Hey, you know, didn't get that right. 
Um, I, I do. I, I don't know if any of you read the athletic piece, just so this is worth looking out for about how they assign kind of referees for different games. And they've basically got a kind of an A-list and a B-list, it would appear, and Oliver's on the A-list. Disturbingly, I found Anthony Taylor also appears to be on that A-list, which, uh, yeah, anyway, so um, we're going to... He officiated the uh, Super Cup game, didn't he? uh, he, He's had a lot of big games, yeah, 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 yeah. So so the last thing, just really quickly, that I want to say, I'm just wondering how many times they meet as a group, you know, weekly, you know, bi-weekly, whatever, and actually go over some of these decisions that they've made and are controversial. Um, so apparently they do it like in Thailand players, as a group. Yeah. yeah they they players, they had a big trip to Thailand. I know that. Yeah. So, so I could tell you, the, the article talked about how each week they kind of do two levels of, of review. One is kind of based on sort of what, I think it's Riley or whoever, he's the head of the PGMOL. Um, so, but there's also an, an, an um, if you watch, if you if you're listening to this, then um, you're, you're missing uh, some feedback on uh, uh, Mike Riley. Um, but but they also do this kind of analysis of of individual decisions, and supposedly people get promoted and relegated. So, as an example, if if you if you recall, the guy Andy Madley, apparently he's been. Um, kind of in and out of the list of Premier League referees based on the fact that um, apparently his scores in certain games haven't been particularly great. Um, so, so there's uh, and who's the other guy? Uh, Scott, I think, is another guy who's on the cusp of he's almost been like thrown off the top level list again based on this analysis. Um, worth reading it. Worth reading the article. wasn't 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 terribly reassured other than to find that. Michael Oliver is top of the ratings, um, which, you know, fits kind of think of what, what we've seen. Wow. Okay. Um, we're going to do a quick round because we're going to do a topic on should they suspend the Premier League season? So, you know, two sentences max. What's your thoughts about whether we should take a break and come back in whenever? Maybe that's part of the conversation. Ben, you're first. No. Uh, people sitting in quarantine get too much enjoyment out of football. The footballers simply need to read about the hedonic treadmill and remember how good they have it. Stay the hell home and play football. <laughs> Sounds good. Sean. I hope not. I don't know. Is that an answer? I, I, I don't, I don't know the answer to this one. Um, I, I'm conflicted about it. Um, but I think your your head might say one thing and your heart might say something else. That's perfectly yes. yeah. perfectly valid. Exactly. <laughs> what do you think, Hytham? I say no. Uh, it shouldn't be suspended, but they should create some sort of bubble similar to the NBA's bubble from last summer. Um, just a way of controlling the uh, idiocy of players at times. Because um, it whatever regulations restrictions they're having right now are not working. Yep. I know, Daz, you may have a slightly different take. You're all wrong. Yes, they should. Uh-huh. At this point, if you asked me this in, in, in November, I would have said full steam ahead. But they've proven time and time again that they they're incapable of following even the most basic instructions. And as a result, you have the highest number of of cases of people within quote unquote your bubbles. That, are, that, are, that have gone out and, and enjoyed, they're human beings. I, I can't fault them for it, mm-hmm. but 
they're going to have to be regulated. And I think a two-week break or 10 days, potentially two matches, I'm not talking about months and months off. I'm talking about two weeks to try and flatten some sort of curve. Uh, if the, if that, is, that is the case, allow everyone to kind of get back to, 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 to zero and then, and then start again. I don't think that, that I don't think it's ridiculous. It probably means that some of these guys are going to take off their club jerseys and put on their and put on their their, their nations jerseys for the Euros. So be it. Um, we might get to a point where some other nations are going to start seeing massive massive spikes in cases too. And if that's the case, they'll have to do the same thing. They might have to get pushed back. But you're also talking about people's health here, and it's I know it's gladiatorial. And we want them to we want them to 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 fight for our for our enjoyment. But you're still human beings. And I, and I think that they, it, it's responsible for us as people and other human beings to say, like, take two weeks off. Let's, 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 let's reconvene after two weeks. So I'm assuming there were a lot of commas in those sentences, Daz. Just, just kidding. There's actually one word. It's just one long word. <laughs> so I, I, I think I'm, I'm on the page of a, a short suspension. Uh, and, and, you know, the thing that sparks it for me is, personal chef this is the benjamin mendy story they invited over a chef for their new year's eve get together it, it, it says to me that it, it needs to be taken out of the hands of some of the players um so i think that uh like i i think a short break it to, to kind of because kyle walker <laughs> five or six teams allegedly five or six teams that, that are you know are, have got problems right now i i, I do think i'm just I'm, I'm not sure if a break is going to change anything from a behavior standpoint they're going to be doing the same things that have been putting them in in, in trouble at this point i mean if the break is synonymous with something like you know vaccination you know a break for a vaccination or whatever i would have been you know okay with it so so in the, in the uk right now it, like if you're if you're not a professional footballer you can't basically you can take, do exercise but you can't travel anywhere so i think that's part of like if they're following those rules for 10 days or two weeks then uh, that that for me is the thing that makes more sense because right now they've got a freedom which most of the people don't have and they don't seem to be using it very well did so, Deich, wasn't it Daesh that said that they, they, they should uh they should vaccinate all of the players uh, he uh, was a Daesh. Well, I know that some yeah. someone said yeah. that the players should be like fast track to get to get vaccinations. Yeah, I don't know if it was Daesh, but yeah, one manager did say that. Um, I, I I just I, I feel like if you delay it, I'm not sure how you make up the games, and um, if you can't have an even schedule, it, it goes to the you know everybody was talking about Nolan Void last year. You know the um, whatever you want to call it, the fairness or the the quality of the competition overall. I think we're, I think we're starting to move into territory where it's like, is this, is this really a uh, comparable competition to a normal year? Like, obviously, no, it's not, but like, to what extent do you want to keep going? And then there's the whole question about, well, you know, how does it look to everybody else? And is it right? I mean, you know, people get enjoyment from watching it from home. I love watching it too. But um, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't see it getting better anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know exactly how it is over there. I feel like we're going to be in this until March. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but at the same time, I think if you take a, if you take a break, you're not, you're not going to be able to make up the games unless they postpone or cancel the Euros, which I don't yeah. see them doing. But then you have Manchester City that seems to get a game off. Like it's, mm-hmm. uh, well, I don't think it's, another, you, can't, yeah. you can't necessarily – they can't live in the same place at the same time. Like where you're okay with one team that has apparently been hit really hard 
Like that means that the other team now has to rearrange their schedule too. If they do it on a blanket level and they can say, sorry, Euros, you guys are going to have to push it back a week or two weeks for us so we can make up these games. And then you jam, like do what you did at the beginning. It's already a condensed season. The, the people are trying to add normalcy to something that's so far beyond like, like the, the parameters of normal at this point. It's like you, you kind of have to, you have stop trying to ram this, this, this sense of normalcy through. It's not, you're going to have to start making concessions. It's, I think that Neil uh, Atkinson was talking about this as well as like the short sightedness of it. Like now we're going to keep going ahead. It's like in World War II. Well, the Junkers are flying on over. Now nah, we'll do kickoff. Go ahead. It's like, <laughs> you know, this one has to happen, but there's, there's German bombers in the air. Ah, pff, they'll miss. Although, of course, you know, what we could do is make it the players and the team's responsibility. So, for instance, if nobody teaches Kyle Walker to masturbate or Benjamin, <laughs> you know, and he, they spread COVID to everyone, I mean, the Man City's going to have to play the U-17s, right? I mean, that's another way to handle it. Yeah. I just had a picture of Kyle Walker's like, what do I do with this? How do I do this? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just, I just go to like, if you look, if you actually sit down and look at the schedule, like, where do you play the games is, is where I'm at, you know, and, and so then you got to come up with something else. I guess you're right, Daz, but yeah, so I, I don't know. That, that's why I don't, I don't know. Just to wrap, wrap this up, I, I do think one of the challenges is they don't seem to show much imagination in what else, but I do think that, you know, in the year of a pandemic, then they probably should have been, well, I and mean, we've talked about this before, they probably should have been thinking about this season as they were like trying to plan for the restart of the last season. Um, yeah. you know. Anyway, anyway, we are going to, we're, we're running well behind. So let's do a quick, so I, I can't leave this because Daz already introduced this topic and it's like, we should be afraid of Manchester United, he said, uh, in, in, I'm paraphrasing. Um, they've got much better counter-attacking options than us. And um, uh, what else have they got in their favor? Then Manchester United, what, what's your how are you how are you thinking about this? It's a week away. Um, you know, Klopp's got a week to work with the team. I I think that uh, I'm I'm expecting a win. I think two one. I mean, you spot Manchester United the penalty, and then uh, and then we score two goals. I think that we can see uh, the four two three one. I think we can see Tiago. I think we can see Shakiri. Um, I think that there's a lot of options that we have that Maine United does not have. Of course, we have the value of not having bought like 500 number 10s, right? But of course, there's problems with the, the center backs. Of course, we're robbing Peter to pay Paul, which causes the imbalance that many of the panel have talked about. But I think that Liverpool are cut above. Um, and if this is my last thought, is this going to get to be my last thought for the podcast this episode? Maybe. Go All ahead. Right. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> I'm just going to reflect that I was at the last Manchester United match when uh, um, when the cop saying we're going to win the league. And while that was a great moment, I do also think that uh, it is um, – it caused a lot of reflection to think how much the world has changed since then. And there's not going to be anybody in the cop. And uh, there's a lot yeah. more important things going on. Yeah. Well, That's pretty – Big thought. Yeah. That was about a year ago, right? You were... I can look at the scarf here. Let me look. Let me look. <laughs> I think it was February. While he's looking for a scarf. January 19th. Uh, January 19th. Huh? 363 days beyond. Okay. All right. Well. So so Sean, Man United. 
I wouldn't say I'm scared of them. I mean, I think they're they're definitely a threat, but I do think that we tend to. St- I can't think of the last time we had a match like this under Klopp, where we haven't stepped up and played, you know, played to the level. Um, I am really hoping to see a uh, Ginny Tiago Henderson midfield. Uh, personally, I, I think that that that's that's our best midfield right now, and it it would take advantage of kind of everyone's uh, strengths. Um, I know there's been some talk and, and Klopp may play uh, Henderson at center back. Um, but, you know, Reese and, and Fabinho have been, have played pretty well as a, as a pairing overall. Reese, I know Reese had that, has that, that error against Villa and that does worry you on the counter, but um, you know, I, I, I guess I worry more about the midfield. I think, you know, our, our, our center back issue is going to be an issue no matter how we, how we, uh, how we approach it. So, um, you know, I'm hoping to see that and, um, I'm hoping that we get the win, but, um, they're, they're in form, but I guess my feeling is if we, if we can take Bruno somewhat out of the game or get somebody on him, um, you know, I think we'll be in pretty good shape. So. So, so Matip has not yet been ruled out. Um, so I'm going oh, to- you're right. Yeah, there is some hope for that. I, I guess I'm, you know, I don't know. Maybe we'll see him. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not holding out hope for that. But. I did not see the Man United game, which I know you think yesterday, which I think you did, Tytham. But uh, the headline was, Donny van der Beek has, has finally arrived. I have no idea what that meant. Um, but it, apparently they've got another number 10 that we need to be worried about. Tytham, what are your thoughts? It's, it, it, it was so boring. Um, and, and I guess it put me in this mindset of we're going to be fine mm-hmm. when we play them. You know, obviously the competition was different and um, not uh, th- their front three. I can't remember. Uh, I don't think anyone started. So Rashford, um, uh, what's his name? The French number nine. Martial. Martial, thank you. Um, was not did not start. So uh, all in all, you know, uh, I was reading somewhere earlier uh, and saw a quote from Klopp about this upcoming week. You know, obviously they don't have um, a match in, in this coming week or the iteration midweek or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, and he was talking about how they're going to use the time to do a lot of uh, uh, 11 v 11 which is, you know, I think it's great. I think whatever formation is going to come up with um, to match United's, you know, play, um, I think they'll definitely have more time for it. Uh, I think it's it's going to be one of those matches where they're going to rise to the task and take out United, um, spotting them penalties or not. Um, I think we're going to win. I like the sound of that. Daz, you were not so sure, and I think you have the final word for today, unless someone wants to challenge your, uh, I'm afraid of Man United position. I didn't say afraid, I said worried. That's a terrible paraphrase. <laughs> hey, terrible. this book gets viewers. You should not be a journalist, or should you be? Uh, well, I'm clearly not a journalist, but... Uh... Look, uh, there's a couple of things. Um, Klopp is a big rhythm as a dancer kind of guy, so we have to worry about whether or not like the number of days off we had off will tie into it because there's a reason that he played a lot of those guys against the kids. I don't think he really gave two shits about thumping them or not thumping them. He just needed to get some legs into some minutes into some legs. Um, 
the one thing that's working against United is the number of uh, the number of fixtures that they have going on right now. Um, they've got like a week that we always seem to have. Uh, so they and they're playing Burnley this week, which is will be grueling. You know how Burnley plays. They're going to make them sing for their supper. Um, and then I think that they they'll come to us a little more bruised than we will be. Um, so there's there's always hope there. Uh, he's going to have to he's going to have to pump these guys full of something other than what they've got in them right now, because right now they, they are devoid of, of anything resembling the same type of team that they, we have been as early as the beginning of this, this restarted season or the new season. Um, I just, I've, I watch, I've watched Manchester United enough to know that they've got their tails up, which is, for like with the help without the help out not just matter how they're winning they're seeming to do the same thing that we did last year is just muscle through shit and win or get the points that they need and it's it's a little alarming again i'm not afraid and alarm doesn't mean that i'm afraid it just means that i sit up a little bit more and pay more attention um i think that this is something that we have to be cognizant of because they don't mind allowing other teams to play with the ball in front of them uh united uh, city did punish them um, I had one eye on that when the more important thing was going on in the background. Well, I had them on the background when the more important thing was going on. And when I did watch it, like they, 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 they are susceptible to quick moving of the ball. So I think that if, if Klopp does get that into them, instead of sitting, being a little bit more brave, at least trying something, I think that we, we will get joy against them. But it's still something that we have to be cautious of, that we have, uh, if you, it doesn't matter who he goes with, if he goes with Reese or if he goes with Nat Phillips, he's going to have a problem with pace. Specifically, if we like to try and play that high line, uh, Reese Williams got, got shrugged off like, an, like a wet winter jacket by a kid that was uh, it's pretty much the same age, but about a third of his weight. Uh-huh. And he couldn't catch him. Um, mm-hmm. Me in my prime, because, yeah, I would have pulled him <laughs> down and gone off. Give <laughs> <But laughs> me a little man. No, not today. But he just say he just he doesn't have a kind of tactical now. So like he didn't tug on him. He didn't pull on him. He kind of just let him get away. Yeah. And so we, we have a real problem with pace. And if, if we're going to play that high line and we like to play possession and Mo Salah just tries to, to play a small pass and it gets cut out and they're coming at us at pace, we, we, we could be, we could be in for a bit of a day. Yeah. That's that. But having said that, I like the two one shout. So I'm going to stick with that. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I've, I really don't want them to be the team that, that takes our record at home record away from us. I really, that's, that would be, that would be painful. So truthfully, if I'm afraid of anything, that's the thing I would, I, not them, anyone but them um, would be the thing. A few things. I'm are surprised. You, are, are you afraid or alarmed? You got to be. I'm afraid of them. I just do not want them being able to say we took, the, we stopped them winning that, their record. That, that I'm afraid of that. I'm not afraid of their team, but but I thought I think there's two things I'd leave with. One is I think, you know, I think if we can rediscover something of the rhythm that we had, say against um, Wolves or Leicester, I think it will be a very good Atalanta. Uh, yep, yep, the away game. You mean Palace or Palace? <laughs> well, we weren't great in Palace. It's just everything we hit went in. Yeah, well, that would be good too. I'm okay with that. Everything we hit goes in. Um, but I think more factor. Maybe we talked about penalties. Is who's going to be the referee? Which seems appropriate way to end given our episode today. Atkinson or Taylor? Watch it. 
We just won't calling it now. One of those two os faces is going to be the referee. If, it, if, it's, if it's Atkinson, it's just that'll be absurd. Apparently, they announce these things on Monday afternoon, so kind of take a look out for that. I think it's going to be Oliver. Yeah, I hope it's Oliver. Please, let's hope it's Oliver. I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on that note, Ben, thanks so much for joining us again. Thanks for making the time, Sean. Good to see you again. Uh, Hytham. Daz, as usual, really great to see you. Um, that's it from First Day Cop Bites. I forgot to mention about subscribing. We've actually put up a whole load of the original episodes up on uh, Apple Podcasts now. So if you listen this far, then hey, there's a whole load of interesting stuff uh, there with people like Simon Hughes, Kathy Long, Keith Salmon. Oh, I've forgotten somebody. Uh, that's, that's bad. I'll, I'll remember them next time. Okay, thanks so much.